Okay, welcome back to High Performance Impact, everybody. I hope you all are having a fabulous day. I'm really excited because today I am talking with Court Whitman, a high performance coach, and I am truly excited to talk to him and have him talk to you folks and share more about his journey. Um, Court has quite a bit of interesting experience, and he has so many wonderful, pertinent things to share with you, and I'm excited. I know that he has some really good tips for you all. So, Court, I would love for you to say hello and introduce yourself. Hey, hey, what's going on, Megan? Thanks so much for the opportunity, really, just to come on here and uh, share some perspective on kind of my life, my developmental journey, and really how that's informed the work I do today uh, as a high-performance leadership coach for others. So I'm just thrilled to be here and excited to get rolling. Well, I'm so happy that you, that you chose to come on here and that you're open to it. I'm excited for you to share your story. Again, I always like to tell folks that the, you know, the most exciting part is in hearing a person's story because that's oftentimes where we can relate and we can resonate and be like, oh, wow, okay, he's been where I've been, you know, things like that. So I'm really excited for you to share your story. And that's exactly where we are going to start today. Um, so just to kind of give a little perspective, we're definitely going to hear more about Court's journey with high performance folks. And he's going to tell you more about what his thoughts are on high performance. But first, let's start off, Court, with your story about chasing high performance. How did you get there? Yeah, love to do that. And I would say that as I just kind of open this up and, and, and a preference I would love to share is just that, good gracious, uh, as I began my journey, uh, I did not have this perspective or this insight, right? I mean, because I'm going to start with you here on childhood. And by no means was I chasing high performance intentionally at that <laughs> moment in my life, right? It's only right. as, you know, it's when we get to this point in life and we realize, man, I've been blessed with these experiences. Um, and for me, uh, some talents and some people that I've really been catalysts in my life to realize, hmm, what was this all about? And so hmm. I actually deliberately reflected back on my life to try to see from, you know, and when I look at it, you know, what really happened? And how can I now have a greater understanding of those things and how they really were kind of things that pushed me to just compete and, and you mm -hmm. know, perform at high levels. So uh, I just want to make sure I call that out, right? Because I don't want anyone for a moment to think, hey, man, this guy's claiming to know it all uh, <laughs> or that it happened as early as I'm going to start. And so really, I think when I talk about my story and at least the pieces I want to share with others, it's a story of, of perseverance. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a story of struggle, um, but not giving up, which I talk to so many people in my work. And that's one of the things I hear from most folks is, hey, Megan, what makes you successful? Well, it's just the fact that I never quit, right? Or yeah. I work really hard. And that, that's mm -hmm. just, that's not really something that's, I guess it can be learned, but not like how to code, like an engineer. Mm -hmm. It's more of right. a character trait. So here we go. Um, story. I want to I kick it off by just going back to eight years old. Um, when I was eight, I was hospitalized for 46 days. And my body was actually paralyzed because I had an infection in my brain. I was living in Hawaii at the time. My dad was in the Army. I was the oldest of five kids. And it was Tripler Army Medical Center out there in Hawaii. And the major, amazing surgeons that were out mm -hmm. there that pretty much said, hey, look, this kid's dying. 
so much so, like I said, my, my body went into a state of paralysis. It was, it was symmetric because the infection was attacking my brain. And doctors just ripped my head open, performed emergency surgery, sucked out this infection and saved my life. And, mm. and wow. let's fast, you know, and, and that was, you know, at the time, uh, I'm not intentionally thinking about that, but I reflect back on it now. And what I take away from that is like, I've, there's, there's something that God wants me to do with my life. Or he would have took me at that moment in time. And so mm -hmm. for me, that's something that's kind of been inspiring in some of those times when I've experienced those lows that life kick at us. So let's fast forward here, right? Let's fast forward. Let's go all the way from age eight to college. Mm -hmm. When I start to think about college and what I want to do after high school, it, I was very narrowly focused. All I ever wanted to be was a soldier. See, my dad, like I said, was a soldier, right? And I know you have some ties to the military and I... <laughs> And so much so that you're serving or, or about to be, at least from last time we talked, mm -hmm. I know that your husband um, decided to do that as well. Um, so, you know, for me, it was like, all right, the movies at the time had an impact. And, and, and again, really, it goes back to my nuclear family. My dad was an incredible provider um, and he had created a, a great life for our family of seven. And it was a role model. So I said, OK, hey, I'm going to be like that again. Uh, I'm the oldest of five. And so I don't have any brothers and sisters to look up to in this moment. We're an army family. So actually my mom and dad are high school sweethearts from Jersey. So we were in Hawaii. We were in Georgia, North Carolina, and didn't have exposure even to that extended family and their influence on what it yeah. is I would want to be. So me, it was a soldier. So college, I picked VMI, the Virginia Military Institute there in Lexington, Virginia. But what's really funny about okay. this is that VMI did not pick me. As a matter of oh. fact, when I applied, I was rejected admitted to the school and I said hey court check it out buddy you're just not smart enough um, oh oh dear <laughs> That's and, terrible. But, but but those are those are some things that occur right so mm -hmm. you know your body of work in high school court just isn't good enough it's not consistent with what we're trying to do here and so mm -hmm. in that moment of rejection I did kind of what I had learned to do which was not allow no to be an answer so I reapplied yeah. I got in and what's really interesting here, and allow me, please, uh, to step into a little bit of a sharing. I'm a humble guy, but there was a challenge for me in that moment when someone said, by the way, you can't come here. You're not smart enough. You're not going to make it, Court. Well, I made the dean's list every semester there. I graduated top of my class with a 3.5 three, GPA, and I played college football at the Division One level throughout my entire tenure. And so I was kind of like, Okay, VMI, you're going to stick it to me. Let me stick it to you. So another little bit of insight <laughs> about my story, which is I'm always kind of seeking challenge and challenge is something I run towards and allows me to perform at a high level. Uh, talk about I can football. Tell. I'm loving this court. I just have to say, this is so cool. Like, I love where you start, like, you know, looking at your story from a kid, it's true. You know, it's kind of like, wow, like that is a huge thing to overcome in of itself. And I love that that carries over now to college. Just looking at your story. I'm like, that's, there's just so much pe for people to resonate with here. So I'm loving this. Keep going, keep telling about yourself. It's not bragging. It's <laughs> All right. So, so I'm at VMI. And one of the reasons why I targeted VMI outside from, from uh, the military is that I wanted to play college football because mm -hmm. sport I argue is the most incredible non-traditional leadership laboratory and developmental classroom that exists for yes. kids. Mm -hmm. And I had such a great experience of growth from playing sport in high school. I didn't want it to end. So I walked on, I was a walk on, uh, which resulted in me making the team, but I was scout team defense. And if any athletes played and competed at the college level, you kind of know what it means when I say scout team D 
I'm the guy running all the other teams' offense, running all the other teams' defense, getting crushed by all the kids that are much stronger, bigger, and faster <laughs> than me, right? Uh, yeah. And but 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 I am part of this tribe, this community, right? If I could share that, and what mm-hmm. what I love what I love to kind of share in this moment is that through that hard work and effort, because I was not the most talented, I earned a scholarship after my sophomore season, and I started at my position as an outside linebacker for VMI my senior year. So, you know, another kind of really story of adversity, grit, commitment, goals, work um, that resulted in in a favorable experience for me. Mm -hmm. Let's fast forward and we'll talk professionally now, right? So I I entered the Army um, and I wanted to be an Army surgeon. And so my basic branch was in the Medical Service Corps. Um, But after a few Mm -hmm. years of service, September 11th, 2001 came. And I still remember being in the dining facility at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, with a few of my combat medics in the medical platoon that I was kind of charged with leading, when I saw, like we all saw, these images of the terrorist attack on our nation just flow into any TV screen that was on. And in that moment, I made a commitment to say, what else can I do for this great nation? I'm a soldier already serving. And that was, you know, how can I run towards the fight? that this Mm -hmm. country is now involved in. And for me, that meant I needed to be a special forces commando. So I assessed with, I was lucky to get through the training and operationally I was assigned to 7th Special Forces Group there uh, in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. They are now relocated down to Florida, but at the time Mm -hmm. in early 2000s, it was 7th Special Forces Group for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, within probably 30 days of my graduation from the qualification course, I was in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, one of the stories I want to share in this moment is that when I was on assignment with my team to a remote outbase that we called actually Firebase Cobra, I had an incredible team sergeant. And for your listeners, the team sergeant is kind of the second man in command of the team. And um, his name was Jerry Patton. And he's much more experienced than me, typically been in the Army longer than the detachment commander. And he, he circled mm-hmm. up with me after one of my, our combat patrols and said, hey, Court, um, hey, man, have you ever considered taking your service to the next level here in special operations? And I was a bit puzzled. I said, no, Jerry, I haven't. And he said, well, Court, I've been serving with you here uh, at war and combat. I've been watching you. We've, we've, we've bled. We've sweat together. We trained together. And I, I really think that you have what it takes to challenge yourself even to a greater level. And he said, have you ever heard of the special missions unit that we have in this army? And I said, no, Jerry, I haven't. He said, well, check it out, man. I think you should consider trying out for these guys. And, you know, what I want to highlight for the listeners here is, is not the fact that this, you know, this guy's telling me I'm doing all these great things. It's this idea that people can be catalysts to our life. And Mm -hmm. I'm encouraging you to listen to what people tell you, because in this story, I had no intent to going towards special missions. But Jerry saw something in me that inspired me to do that. And so I did. And just for the context at my time when I served in the army, we had about 450,000 strong and special missions selects about 50 people, five zero with my wow. skill set just to try out. Right. Wow. And so I applied and I was selected to try out, but I didn't make it through their selection process. So once again, I'm trying to do something. I met with some failure, but I retried. I tried again, albeit in a bit different capacity, but I was selected and I made it. And so I then went and served for six years with arguably our Army's most lethal 
kinetic arm of national defense. And it was just incredible. Um, wow. And if you're still with me, y'all, and I'm not pushing you sleep <laughs> yet, I'm going to wrap this story up. No, this is exciting. <laughs> and, and, you know, the last thing I want to share is that, you know, I retired from the Army in 2016, and I was faced with this next question, I think, that, that all of us do. I think life's a constant state of transition, but when you, when you pivot in your career, it's pretty significant, which was, hey, Kurt, what do you do now? Right? And so I partnered with an executive coach. Her name was Allison Carroll that helped me identify, hey, Kurt, what are you passionate about? And that answer to that for me is anything in the health, sport, and wellness world. And that resulted in me taking a job in Durham, North Carolina with a software company selling software with an incredible owner named Zach Maritas, who after having me sell software for a few months said, hey, Court, you're doing the wrong thing for me here. I want you to become my first ever leadership coach. And I want you to be responsible for developing um, really a, a program that allows our employees to be their best self every day. And that was the catalyst, Megan, in my life to do what I do now um, and, and to serve as you introed me as a high performance and leadership coach, so much so that I own and operate my own company. My vision is really simple. Three words, inspire high performance. And my mission is to unlock hidden potential and develop competency in every single person I touch so that they have an ability to perform at incredibly high levels. So, hey, that's my story <laughs> so far. But I'm I telling you, girl, it oh. ain't over, right? It's still going. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's what I love about it. So, I mean, you have this wonderful journey. I mean, you've overcome unbelievable odds as a kid. I mean, wow, as an eight-year-old, that's more than most eight-year-olds can be asked of. And you you went through that. And so that's amazing. And then, you know, in college and then throughout your Army career, I mean, this is just incredible. And I love just seeing where, you know, you had this basically invitation to go to a higher level. And it may not have worked out at first, but then you said, hey, you know what? Just got to try again. And so you had the grit and determination. So I love it. And it is, it's always evolving. So I'm sure to this day, you're always looking to see how you can inspire high performance in yourself, I'm sure. Um, yep. So now I would actually like to know, and I'd love for our listeners to hear, how do you personally define high performance? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful question. I focus on it all the time and I have a definition absolutely mm -hmm. to share, but before I do, I just want to introduce something up front. Um, mm -hmm. And it's this recognition that some of my perspectives aren't original, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and I want to just call out in this moment that, you know, I've studied a lot of people. I'm absolutely on fire for leadership, managerially, and high performance, yeah. and how that's done. Most notably, Brendan Bouchard. Uh, one, mm -hmm. of the, one, of the, one of the nation's most high-performance coaches. I've read a lot of his work. And then mm -hmm. secondly, my perspectives on this answer for high-performance uh, come really from really an experiential and practical application, meaning that, hey, they're all based upon my experience and my lessons learned, not on theory. Like, I'm not coming to you with an incredible education background. Heck, my undergrad was political science. I did some stuff at the Commanding General Staff College. I have a leadership certification, but I'm not a master's degree in leadership or organizational development. So as you hear this from me, I just want you to know that it's based upon practical application and what mm -hmm. I've done throughout my life. And what does that mean? It means that my influences has been my faith and, and really my accountability to my God and its impact on my character, my parents, every teammate I've shared a locker room with or a huddle. 
any romantic relationship that I've had and the impacts that that's had on how I see higher performance, my social relationships, my mentors, my time in the army, and all those incredible leaders and managers that I looked up to and had a chance to work underneath, and the people that actually served me and under my command when I had the opportunity to lead. And, and, and finally, really, my kids and the opportunity to be a dad to them and what that's taught me about how to perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. The, the last Absolutely. thing... Yeah, the last thing I want to share is is failure in my life. And I talked about some of that has been an incredible catalyst. And so mm-hmm. I'm coming to you with a perspective of a divorced single dad, which mm-hmm. has been most recently for me and, and something that was really kind of catastrophic because I looked at marriage as being a commitment to this woman and this life um, one time. But mm-hmm. that wasn't how it turned out. Right. Um, and then professionally, I was actually a two time non-select for promotion in the Army which triggered my retirement. And so I want to make sure that your listeners are, are, are settling here to, there's a lot to my perspective that informs mm-hmm. high performance for me. And so here we go. High performance. This is how I define it. Success in desired results above established norms over the long term. That's high performance. Again, success in desired results above established norms over the long term. And with your permission, Megan, I can break that down on what that really means to me, if you'd like, or we can just leave Absolutely. it at that. No, no, I'd love for you to break that down. All right. So I've got, I've got really three ways in which this definition breaks out for me and how I use it to coach and serve others in my work. And the first is that those first four words, success and desired results. For me, that's all about target creation, right? So I want to challenge your listeners in this moment if you want to perform at a high level, what, what desired results are you looking to have success in? And a lot of folks will say, well, that's goals, Court. And that is goals. I just like the word target because I'm an old soldier. And I think if it's a target, it's something I'm going to prosecute. I'm going to knock it down. <laughs> I'm going to hit it with energy, right? Mm-hmm. But I would absolutely say if you don't have those goals, how is it that you're working towards desired results? So, you know, for me, just to share out, every year, every January, I come up with three professional targets and, and, and I've come up with my personal targets because I think life's holistic and you got to look at it both ways. Mm-hmm. And so just real quick, I mean, completing 500 hours of one-on-one coaching is one of my professional targets. And if you're a coach out there, you know what the heck that means. I mean, the work mm-hmm. that we do is done in hours. You know, yep. I want to, I want to complete two outdoor leadership experiences as a participant. I went to one in Montana uh, last month and I've got one scheduled with my daughter in July. I want to do four. Yeah, I want to do four keynote speeches. I'll likely miss this one because of COVID and its impact (laughs) to everything. But but as you can see, I have I have professional targets. They're metric based and they're and I'm sure you'll pivot on the last one. And I'm sure that you'll get that, you know, when things do open up. I'm sure you'll find a way to hit that one. (laughs) Well, I hope so. But it's just this idea that you gotta have that, you gotta establish your success criteria, you're gonna perform at a high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just kind of sharing with you how I do that. I've also had personal ones. I won't go through them with you, um, mm-hmm. but I certainly can. Uh, the second part of that definition, again, high performance, success, and desired results above yep. established norms in the long term. Let's talk about above established norms, what I'm talking about there. Yes. When, when I say norms, I'm talking about behavior. And collections of behavior, even as an individual, create the culture in which we walk through life or it creates the culture in which the teams that we're a part of. And the best way that I've learned 
to be intentional about the creation of norms, i.e. behavior, is through core values, right? And so let me share with you my definition for a core value. A core value is a characteristic of yourself or your team that's non-negotiable and significantly impacts your decision-making and fulfillment in life. And so what I'm arguing here is that it's one thing for me to have success and create these targets. And it's the second thing that I have to prosecute these targets, these goals, with a behavior that's consistent with how I expect to live my life or my team to do things. For example, if I'm in sales and I'm managing a sales team and success for us is to close $300,000 worth of business this year, but mm -hmm. we have established core values that says, hey, we're not going to lie to the client or be disingenuous in what we're selling, then if I close 300,000, some people would say I've been successful there, but I didn't do it with the behavioral norm that's expected, i.e. I, I kind of sold them some BS, then mm -hmm. I would argue you're not performing at a high level. Yeah. So high performance includes those goals, meeting those goals and establishing a, a culture or a behavior of, 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 um, how we do things that align with the what that we're doing. So, um, and then really the, the long term is just to call out that you've got to always frame things by time. You know, mm -hmm. if you got a goal, it's got to be time bound for it to be, be successful and impactful. So there's high performance uh, in a snapshot for me, success and desired yeah. results above established norms over the long term. I love that. And that's such a workable definition. And so I really appreciate that you did break it down because I talk about high performance a lot, you know, in these different episodes. And what I really, I really like the way that you kind of broke it down. Cause I know that sometimes I get questions from people that, you know, they're kind of like, I don't really understand high performance. You know, what does it really mean? Like we can kind of feel it, you know, we kind of have an idea, but I think that's a really nice workable definition. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and so now I am a little curious. You told me something about being a deliberate disciple and that and the impact of that on high performance. And so I was wondering, could you kind of tell us a little bit more about being a deliberate disciple and what that does for high performance? Yeah, absolutely. And I would just say that the, the one thing that that I may have misinformed you on is I'm absolutely a disciple. But what I'm thinking here is that for me, it's it's this embrace of discipline. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's deliberate discipline and yes. its impact upon my ability to perform at a high level. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, and so what I'm saying here is that you have to be intentional in mm -hmm. areas in your life in which you're going to exercise complete self-control and discipline, because discipline for me is defined as the behavior of self-control. And if I look back on my life in the last 22 years of my professional journey, again, both as a dad, as a romantic partner, as an employee, as a soldier, it's, it's discipline has manifested for me in a number of different ways that it enabled me to be successful. So much so that I have what I call my top nine deliberate disciplined habits. And I argue that if you focus on these, you absolutely can, can perform at high levels and whatever it is that you want to do. And I'm not just talking about at work because I want folks to be incredible moms, wives, brothers, sisters, husbands, you name it, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. So here's well, what they and, are. And really quick, the way that we do some things, the way we do all things, right? So obviously it's got to be everywhere. Loving it. You're, Keep right. Going. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It's not like we're, we're somebody at work 
and somebody at home. Although I do think that some people walk through life that way. Yeah. So yeah. this is a great challenge to exist in that authenticity that I think is important. So mm-hmm. Megan, I'm just going to list off these nine deliberate discipline yeah, habits. Please do. I'm happy yep. to go into any detail that you'd like, but let me just list them here. So again, okay. the nine ways in which I think you have to execute intentionality and be very deliberate and disciplined, meaning self-control and these habits, and you can perform on a high level number one, self-awareness. What I mean by that is you need to study and get to know yourself. The second habit that you have to do to perform on a high level is you have to t- find time to take care of yourself. Number three, you got to find ways to compete because I believe that success is going to fuel you and defeat is going to teach you. Number four here, you have to embrace your unique role and do it extremely well. Number five, You've got to train. You've got to be disciplined to train. If that doesn't work for you, we're talking about practice here. And that applies to anything that anybody's doing in their life. Practice better than everyone. Number six, you've got to execute within the established rules of engagement. And because I know there's a lot of organizations that have no rules, when there's an absence of rules, I challenge you to create them Because when you can create rules, it protects the team. Now, let me be clear here. This is not an indictment to innovation. But this is a call out to create a construct that's acceptable. Because I can tell you tons of stories when people step outside those established rules and how it really degrades the credibility of the organization. Number Mm -hmm. seven, you have to be disciplined in ways in which you persevere through adversity. This is a call out for grit. You got to be gritty. Yeah. And that takes discipline. Number eight, you've got to make value aligned decisions. And if you don't know what your core values are, that's your start point. So there's a lot to unpack there. And then finally, number nine, my final habit that I would encourage people to do to perform at high levels is you have to do routine things routinely because I will argue that the basics are the best path to excellence. So there you go. Those are my nine deliberate discipline habits. It was a freaking yeah. mouthful, girl. That's what I've got. <laughs> I love it. No, and I was just like, bam, you nailed it. So this is great. And so their work, I mean, they, they're all great because I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like that really is the process. And so a couple of them did stand out to me. And so, you know, number one, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your, I guess, process around self-awareness. I know we don't have much time, but I do want to hear more about that because I think that that is so true you need to know yourself first because if you don't know yourself, you really don't know what's going on. You don't know where to start. So could you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah. And I think the the best place for me to start here is for me to define the word leadership for you. Um, And Mm -hmm. I I hold leadership to be simply defined as an effective positive influence. And so in order to lead effectively as a positive influence, it starts with leading self and then in leading others. And that's the foothold for all of that and performance at high levels is through self-awareness. And so what I'm talking about here is a deep understanding, in my opinion, of six areas. And what I call, and if you could see me right now, I'm putting up the little finger quotes. (laughs) And that is what I call 
I quote, I see by, end quote. And that's spelled I-S-E-E by. Like, how do you see the world? How do you see yourself? It's a great little mm-hmm. acronym that you can use here when you talk about self-awareness. And it actually stands for the words identity, strengths, core competencies that emerge based on strengths, and what's my natural behavior. And once I can understand, again, my identity, my strengths, my core competencies, and how I behave, that allows you to influence, to deliver impact. And so when you see this acronym, when I, and this is how you get to know yourself, in my opinion, I see by, it's, it's the letters I-S-C-B-I-I. So if you write that down right now mm-hmm. as a listener, I-S-C-B-I-I, you're going to say, what the heck is he talking about? Well, <laughs> say it to yourself. I-S-C-B-I-I is what you'll read, but the words there that should jump out to you is I see by. And again, that you must see yourself through a deep understanding of what's my identity, that's the I, what are my strengths, what are my core Mm -hmm. competencies, what are my behavior? And then with that understanding of self, you are then postured to influence and deliver impact for others. Love that, that is awesome, my goodness. Okay, so now could you remind me what number four was? Because there was yeah. something in there that kind of stuck out to me too. And I was like, now wait, because you know, all this great stuff going on. So I'm like, all right, so what was number four? <laughs> number four was this call out to you got to be really disciplined and knowing what your role is. And yes. once you, yes. and you have to then embrace that role, not try to do the work of somebody else, just know your role, embrace it, and do it well. Sounds a little bit like Bill Belichick and his coaching philosophy, but this is mm-hmm. real stuff. So, I can share a little bit about that if you want, um, mm-hmm. or I can just stop by just sharing you what that is. <laughs> yeah. So tell us more what it is. I think what I liked about number four, because what instantly spoke to me about that was authenticity, you know, really carrying out your authentic role, which really goes along with number one, I think, you know, so having sure. that self-awareness, getting to know yourself, and then of course, having your authentic work and doing it. So yeah, please tell us a little more. Yeah. And so what I would just say that is, this is this is most importantly applies to the team collective construct, right? Because in a team, different people have different roles for a reason. In some cases, you have a team of everyone doing the same thing, but not all cases. And so my reflection here is goes back to my time as a special forces team leader. And I was responsible to to lead 12 highly trained men um, in, in combat. Right. We had Mm -hmm. folks that were specialists in weapons and bombs and communications and medicine. And what happened was that I I got caught up in the allure of the movies. Right. Like I wanted to be the point man. I want to be the I want to be the guy most likely to make contact with the enemy. Right. I felt really strongly about leading from the front. A lot of this comes from my athletic background. However, the special forces A team to function a high level said that, you know what, team leader, you have a different role. And your role is command and control. It's not the guy putting on the door charge. It's not the guy throwing the flashbang. It's not the guy first through the door, right? In order for you to be effective, Court, you had to know your role. You had to know the roles of your teammates. You had to force them to embrace their roles and you had to embrace your own. And that meant for me, I was not up front. Sometimes I was, Mm -hmm. but most times I wasn't. I was in a position to most see and control the entire team. And sometimes that meant I was at a command and control location miles from the activity right Mm -hmm. but this took discipline for me to step in and to embrace the role that my team needed me to do because when i wasn't doing that our ability to function was marginalized and we weren't as effective but when i could embrace my role 
and do it incredibly well, we performed at really high levels. So again, just challenging your listeners. How well are you serving in your unique role for your team? You know, do you execute yep. that role in a manner that gives your team a competitive edge? If you do, great, keep it up. If you don't, I would challenge you to examine the reasons why. Because I coach a lot of managers that, that, that struggle when they make the jump from individual contributor manager because they want to keep doing the individual contributor stuff that got them the accolades that elevated their position, right? But once mm-hmm. you step into that different role, you got to do different things. So I hope that was helpful, Megan. But that's what I'm oh, talking about there. Absolutely. absolutely. That was fantastic. And I, what I love about that is that every single person on this planet, without exception, does have a unique role, right? You know, and, sure. and honestly, I mean, it starts with you owning yourself, you know, knowing yourself and then really owning who you are and bringing your unique talents to the table. And I love that because I guess the thing that I like to fantasize the most about in life is, wow, like if every single person on this planet was really bringing their talents to the table, you know, really being their authentic selves. Can you imagine where this world would be? It'd be pretty exciting, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And so, yep. And so I just, I love what you're saying here. It's true for, you know, the most effective teams when every person knows their role and really embraces that, works on it and is dis- you know, disciplined about bringing that, um, you really do perform at that higher level. So I just love that. Okay. Well, now, Court, this has been amazing. Now, sure. we are kind of running out of time. But what I did want to know, kind of in closing, um, and then also, too, before we do sign off, I'd love for people to know how they can get in touch with you as well. Did you have any, I guess, are there any favorite kind of, I guess, favorite habits or anything, like one kind of thing you'd like to leave with our listeners here today? Yeah, sure. I, said, I would say that the habit that I probably activate the most in my life is routine. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's a certain way that I know that I, if I execute my day this mm-hmm. way, and I'm going to share with you what that is, my ability to perform at a high level is, is elevated. And I know that mm-hmm. when I can't do these things, it's mitigated. And so it really starts with the morning, um, which before that is getting enough sleep. So I'm going to argue in this moment, seven to eight <laughs> hours of sleep is critical. If I, yeah. if I, if I don't get that, I'm already behind the power curve. I get yep. up in the morning. My routine's pretty pretty simple. I, I turn the coffee machine on. I grind some coffee. I absolutely love coffee. Then mm-hmm. I get my journal. <laughs> I actually journal every morning. It's it's in some cases it's a it's a free flow state, and I have a lot to journal. In other cases, I'm really forcing myself to just put two words on the paper. But I'm going to pick up my journal. I'm going to go out uh, to my sunroom or sit in my living room, and I'm going to go through my scripture readings for that day. And so I'm going to mm-hmm. focus on, on developing my faith and getting some guidance from God for my life. Then I'm going to journal and reflect on just what happened yesterday and what I intend to do for today. It helps me with some intentionality. I very often have a gratitude reflection in there, and I always close out my journal, which is something I'm thankful for. And it could be simply just this cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be <laughs> <Yeah>. something incredible. <laughs> but having a gratitude reflection to start my day off with puts me in an optimistic mindset. Our brain is the Teflon for optimism and it's actually built to thrive on negativity. But if I can start with that gratitude reflection after my scripture, a cup of coffee, um, then I'm really set in a great place. And then I jump into my day. Um, I'm going to break in the afternoon at some point and get some movement in. Sometimes it's just a walk around the block. Other times Mm -hmm. I've got more time built in there to get a full out workout. But movement exercise has to occur in my best days. It's part of my routine. So if I can do those things, 
I can crush it. Routine is what I would leave folks with. Find a routine, stick to it. It's going to be helpful for you. Absolutely. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Cord. I appreciate you coming on here today and sharing your wisdom. This, this really has just been a, tr- a treat for me anyway. And so I, I hope that you listeners, I hope that you've really gotten some awesome ideas here. Um, I'm pretty much positive that you had. I don't see how you could. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to be bold as to say that. Um, now, Court, before we sign off, can you tell people, so I'm sure that there, people are going to have some more questions. I mean, you put a whole bunch of great ideas out here. So how can people get in touch with you? How can they consume some more of your content? Yeah, thanks, Megan, for that invite. Uh, really pretty simple. I got a website. You can go visit courtswitman.com. Mm-hmm. It's just my first name, last name, C-O-U-R-T-W-H-I-T-M-A-N.com. And that's a great jump off point to get in touch with me um, right there. That works. Perfect. Perfect. Works for me. And folks, like I, like I usually tell you, be sure to look at the description of the episode and I'll have the website in there too, as well as any other tidbits that I pick up from court later. Um, and then in the meantime, as well, do know, you can also follow court on LinkedIn and all kinds of places. And I believe court, don't you also have your own podcast? I do, Megan. I do. It's called high performance pathways and you can find us okay. on anywhere that you're consuming your podcast content. So Perfect. Spotify, Apple, you name it, it's up there. Thanks. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks so much, Court. I appreciate it. We're probably going to have to have another follow-up sometime. But in in the meantime, y'all take care. And it's been a pleasure. All right. See you, girl. (laughs) Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. (laughs)